guys, it's Ananya and welcome back to the Desi Reality. Today, I have a very, very special guest on with us today. She's a cardiologist, educator, and content creator. Let's welcome Dr. Rosie Tatchell to the podcast. Thanks so much, Ananya. I uh, just want to say that's my dog barking in the background, if you can hear that. Um, so sorry about that. But thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. It's so great to be here. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's such an important topic that you uh, talk about on your podcast. So really, really nice to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. I think it's so interesting that you do so much and you're just so successful in the way you are. So I'm super excited to just jump right into these questions. Great. So first, starting off strong, I know you are South Asian. So how has being from a South Asian descent affected your mental health? So, you know, it's such a good question because I think mental health is such a taboo topic in South Asian culture and really a lot of different cultures, but definitely in the South Asian culture, you know, there's a lot of like stigma and judgment that can often come with it. Um, And my personal opinion is that a lot of it has to do with, you know, the focus on other people's opinions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think in South Asian cultures, uh, you know, like, what will others think? Like, what will others say? What will the extended family or the extended community say? It's such a big factor um, Mm -hmm. in the culture. So I think because of that, sometimes you're not able to have, like, the open and honest conversations around mental health that perhaps can move the needle forward, you know? Um, I think in my teens and 20s, I definitely cared a lot more about what the community thought, right? Like, I used to care a lot more about oh, what did my, you know, third aunt twice removed say about what I did or, you know, something I, something in my life, you know, I used to care about those things more. But I think as I've gotten older, I just don't care as much about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's been very liberating. And it's very good for my mental health, I've noticed. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely agree with the idea of having to just kind of let go of that uh, stereotype of not talking about all of these things. And, you know, that's what the space is for. And I'm so glad that you agree that it's so important to do so. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because growing up, you know, whenever I saw that, you know, someone in the South Asian community, you know, there was a family friend or, you know, whoever it may be, it was struggling with mental health issues. It was often seen as a source of shame, right? Mm-hmm. Or something that really needs to be hidden. Um, so I think there's a lot of work that needs to be there to kind of undo this kind of thinking that it needs to be covered up instead of trying trying to work on making it more transparent and trying to help people that are struggling with mental health. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's amazing. So I know you were talking about how when you were younger, you felt like there was definitely more of an impact the stigma had on you. And so Mm -hmm. I know going through so many steps, you know, becoming a cardiologist, becoming a content creator, becoming an educator, that definitely must have been a journey to say the least, especially considering you are South Asian. So I know we really want to talk about imposter syndrome today and your experience. How would you define your experience with imposter syndrome? Yeah. So imposter syndrome is, is a psychological phenomenon that you feel like you don't deserve your success or you don't deserve a seat at the table, or you're kind of feeling like a fraud. And it's actually a pretty universal feeling, you know, successful professionals, Nobel laureates, CEOs of companies, you know, lots of people feel it. We don't necessarily talk about it or or share that we're feeling it, Um, but lots of people feel it. Um, And definitely it's something that I have felt growing up as well as in my professional life as well. Um, You know, 
growing up, I didn't necessarily see people who looked like me in, you know, powerful roles or leadership roles. So I think in the professional world, I definitely felt it when I, especially when I became an attending um, that, hey, do I really belong here? Did I just like end up here by accident? Like that kind of a feeling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of people don't know what that is. And I think that was pretty much the perfect way to put it. So yeah, leading right into that question. Growing up, did you personally ever experience imposter syndrome as a South Asian in America? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think just by virtue of being a woman or a woman of color, a person of color in this country, there's probably not a whole ton of people um, in leadership and positions of power that look like you. So even just by virtue of that, it's really easy to feel like an imposter. But for me growing up, I felt like I was actually in this unique space because I was a child immigrant. Um, most of my South Asian friends that I had were either born in the U.S. or they immigrated here as adults. So I didn't quite fit into either. So I felt like I was in this like middle generation that didn't really fit in completely into first generation, but not quite into like the adult immigrant group. So for me, like a lot of those early experiences, I felt like I didn't really fit into either generation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first sort of five years that you're in this country as an immigrant is really difficult. And I think watching that firsthand as a child and then as a teenager really sort of changed my outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that about you. So, um, you know, as you said, the first five years were specifically difficult, but also, you know, going into medicine, being a South Asian woman in medicine, did you ever experience imposter syndrome during that process or during your process of practicing? Yeah, definitely. So the field of medicine I'm in is cardiology, which is one of the most actually male dominated specialties within medicine. Um, So definitely as a woman and then a woman of color as well, there's many rooms I'm in where I'm like, do I belong here? I'm like the only woman here. I'm the only the only person of color here. Even though rationally in my head, I know I belong there. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you feel like you don't belong somewhere, you, you might be less likely to speak up or you might be less likely to go after an opportunity or, or just go for it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's something that I've definitely felt as, as a physician and a cardiologist practicing. Um, but what I've noticed is that year by year, it's getting better. So every year I feel imposter syndrome a bit less. Um, I still feel it, but I do think, you know, as you get older and as you have accomplishments under your belt and as you start to kind of believe in yourself and become confident, you feel the imposter syndrome a little bit less. Mm -hmm. So specifically in your experience, have you ever had a situation that has perpetuated the imposter syndrome you are feeling, or do you think it's more so something that is internal? I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think don't see people like yourself um, in leadership positions. You question whether you can do it yourself, right? You question your own abilities and your own potential. Um, couple that with the fact that sometimes there are microaggressions and biases, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's personally or professionally in the workplace, whatnot, those things do do exist. So I think it's a combination of the two, right? I think if you don't see yourself in and, you know, kind of modeled in other people, you may not think you can do it. So that may feed the imposter syndrome. And at the same time, there may be societal, workplace, cultural factors that may also play into like bias and, you know, microaggressions and things. And that may also influence your imposter syndrome. So I definitely think it's it's multifactorial. 
Right, definitely. And I think it must be a different experience for each field of medicine or for each person. And like, depending on where they are too, especially where they're practicing, right? Um, yeah, for sure. But I definitely agree. It's, it's omnipresent in every field. So definitely, definitely see that as like a huge issue, not only in medicine, but yeah. Yeah, really, it happens in every industry. Absolutely. And that kind of ties into the next question here, too, because not only are you a medical professional, but you also are a content creator. And so as a content creator and a medical professional, have you ever experienced people devaluing your accomplishments or the credibility you have as a medical professional? Yeah, for sure. I think more so than the accomplishments, the credibility part, I think, is challenging. So they say, I think it's 93% of credibility is established by how you look and how you sound, not necessarily by your content or your accomplishments or how prepared you are. So basically, when you walk into your into a room or, or throw, put yourself out there, people are, credibility is like 90, 93% of credibility is really how you look and how you sound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be sort of the most intelligent, the most prepared for a particular task or particular initiative, but sometimes that's not what people base it on, right? Mm-hmm. So like for me, I'm a five foot, you know, Indian woman, and I still get carted at restaurants in my 30s, right? So I look fairly young, uh, fairly youthful. And so it can be hard to establish credibility, right? So many times you feel like it's just hard to be taken seriously, even if you have the certifications and the training and the education. Um, You know, I still get, sometimes I still get DMs like, are you sure you're a cardiologist? Stuff like that, you know, which you kind of think like, you know, like, yeah, sure, I look young or this or that, but like, was that really necessary? Um, But at the end of the day, I do think like hard work, resilience, perseverance, all these things will get you far no matter what you look like and no matter how hard it is to establish credibility at the get-go. Absolutely. I definitely see that. And so as you've grown uh, on social media, have you seen that credibility, uh, people devaluing your credibility, go down or like how how's that how's that impacted how people see you as a professional yeah you know um i think in the beginning while i was just getting started on social media it used to bother me a little bit more Mm -hmm. uh now i think i just ignore those comments um and i do think you know networking with like-minded individuals on social media, it really helps, right? Right. Because, you know, if you're networking with other, whether it's physicians or other professionals, I think that in and of itself can also help your credibility. Um, But in general, I still do get those comments, but I think I just, I just ignore them. Right. And I think that, that I I know you were talking about imposter syndrome earlier, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's like a part of the growing and learning to not care about what other people think of you, right? Um, It's like kind of growing out of it over time. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, not caring what people think and just being unapologetically yourself, Um, even if that's different than what's expected of you or, you know, even if it means just, you know, speaking up, even if you're uncomfortable, those kinds of things. Absolutely. I love that. I think that's a huge message to take home from this conversation. Um, Truly just being yourself and believing in what you have to offer. Yeah, absolutely. So as we were discussing earlier, um, as you know, being South Asian, there's a lot of impacts on mental health and the way that we perceive a lot of our experiences to be. So has your ethnicity contributed to your experience with imposter syndrome? Mm -hmm. I think so. So, you know, when I think of 
South Asian culture or more specifically Indian culture, since that's what I'm most familiar with. Um, when you think about the culture, it's really not so maybe 70, 75 years ago that India was even a free country, right? Free from colonization. And culturally, we're still a very modest culture in a lot of ways. Um, it's definitely changing. But for me, when I was growing up as an Indian immigrant to this country, you know, like speaking up, being confident, being empowered, these were not things that were necessarily like taught to me or emphasized for me. Mm -hmm. So I was always very acutely aware that I was a newcomer in the country and that I often felt that I wasn't allowed to be seen, if that makes sense. So like I was the kid in the class who would do well on an exam, but I would never show off in class that I knew the answers, right? I always felt like I had to be modest where there's other kids in the class who were far louder, who would sort of dazzle in class, but that's just not how I was socialized, at least at the time. And I do think in American culture, we live in a bit of like an extrovert standard. So, you know, it is important to be confident and assertive. Um, and I, I think in some ways, my culture taught me to be too modest. Hopefully that makes sense. No, I totally get that. Especially when you're bringing it up, you know, a lot of time modest is associated with this idea of dressing a certain way or, or you know, saying things a certain way. But the way that you act in a classroom is, is is truly like impacted by your up your upbringing and i think what you said is very relatable especially for a lot of other south asian people who have been raised with that modest ideology i will say that i think now it's not necessarily as consistent because different people have different experiences but absolutely the way that you act in the classroom or the way that you learn um definitely would be impacted by your upbringing and i think what you said is a perfect example. Absolutely. And, you know, even like growing up, right? Like you don't talk back, you, you're modest. You don't always share your opinion. You know, it, even if you have a deferring opinion from your parents, like mm -hmm. it's part of the way you're raised as well. And, and sometimes that like leaks into your professional life and your other types of interactions too, you know? Um, so it's, yeah, I definitely think, you know, at least for me, from my personal experience, I think, being taught to be modest actually to me was something I had to unlearn as an adult and as a professional. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I know that there's been a lot of experiences where I'll see someone so openly say something to a teacher or someone else going against what they had to say. And my first reaction is almost fear and a little bit of mm -hmm. kind of looking down like, oh, shouldn't have said that. That was a little rude. But it's perceived right. in a very interactive way. It's perceived as welcome. And right, right. It's interesting. And I think as long as you're not rude or, you know, like argumentative or, or aggressive, I think there's polite ways to disagree or have a different perspective. And that's totally fine. And that should never stop you from voicing that perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and I think that's I think that is the way that you unlearn parts of your culture that hold you back, honestly, because I think our culture is beautiful, but there are some parts that don't necessarily translate into great practices in our career and that's okay right and so moving on to our next question here what is something that you can do or say to yourself perhaps a mantra maybe to catch imposter syndrome when it comes up something that you tell yourself when you're starting to feel that way yeah so i think just realizing that everyone feels it and that it's not a unique experience that really helps me um, no matter how successful someone appears on the outside, chances are that they still feel imposter syndrome, at least from time to time. Although 
people won't tell you that they're feeling it. Um, I think also looking back and seeing how far you've come, that's always helped me. Um, If you look back at your accomplishments and whatever obstacles you've overcome and what you've been able to achieve, I think that can really put things into perspective and make you realize like, yes, I do have the confidence to go after this or the confidence to speak up about this or to, to seek this new opportunity. So I think really looking back and reflecting is helpful. Absolutely. And I, you know, just adding on to that, I know you said that uh, thinking that everyone else experiences it, right? Like there's a lot of times where we'll be surrounded by people who claim that they're not experiencing it or claim that everything is coming really easily to them. And I think it's really important to sometimes look at yourself and say, you know what? Everyone thinks that I get it, but I, I, I'm not necessarily feeling like I get it or I can do it. And everyone like that is around you as well. So even if it doesn't seem like people are struggling, maybe they are. And that in a way, as bad as that sounds, that in a way could be comfort. Right. And I don't know if you've ever seen that iceberg, that success iceberg, Mm -hmm. where you see the top of the iceberg and that's what you see. And then there's a whole bunch that's under the water that you don't see. Right. And imposter syndrome is something that maybe it's under the water there. And all you see is just the success at the top. But in reality, there's a lot of things beneath that water, whether it's imposter syndrome, whether it's, you know, just years of hard work, resilience, perseverance, all of these things that you don't see when you look at a person, even if to the to the naked eye, they just look so successful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not even like it's not even like it's uh, necessarily uh it's not like it's unattainable. A lot of times people will look at someone and they'll just kind of idealize them. I've seen a lot of people do this where they'll say, oh, this person's amazing. They're perfect. Of course they're perfect, you know? And when you idolize people around you who are in the same field as you or have the same capacity as you, you and you are internally pushing down yourself and your potential. And that's just something I've noticed. And I think it's really important not to idolize anyone necessarily, but also not to discredit someone to make yourself feel better just absolutely and I think especially when you idolize people you don't know personally because I think the one thing you know you realize after a while is even you know no matter how successful people are when you get to know them personally they always have a story right they've probably been through more than you realize so you know unless you know somebody personally it's it's very difficult to have that kind of you know like you know reverence kind of thing for somebody yeah definitely And, you know, that connects into anything that you want to do in the future, whether that's in your career, whether that's in a classroom, whether that's even on social media, you know, the way people perceive people on social media thinking that their lives are perfect, but they're really not. Yeah. So, yeah. And that kind of brings us to our last question here. You know, what advice do you have for listeners who are either hoping to pursue a medical profession or content creation or even both, especially as a South Asian? I think uh, finding your tribe is really helpful. Um, Just a handful of people that you truly, truly trust. Um, And whatever it is you're going through, whether that's personal, professional, mental health, um, etc. You have people that can serve as your sounding board. And these have to be people that you truly trust, right? That's kind of the key here. Um, Nowadays, because we live in such a digital world, I think you can even find these people online as well. But I think having that tribe or tribes of people to just kind of help you weather the ups and downs of life, Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. I love that. I I think that's amazing. Well, 
that brings us to the end of the episode thank you to everyone who listened in thank you so much for coming on today i really appreciate your time um and thank you so much for having me of course and to all the listeners listening in make sure to eat food drink water and take care of yourself because you deserve it thank you guys so much for listening in and i hope you guys have an amazing day bye guys